Now, before we begin properly, I just want to let you guys know some context. In the intro to this episode, I quote a 1966 newspaper article twice. That article used a word very frequently that I decided to refer to as the N-word in the audio. Now, when I mean N-word, I don't mean like the word we think of whenever we hear that. The hard, very like, very like violently racist word. What I was referring to, just so I don't misrepresent that author, was the word that starts with N-E-G or the word that you instantly sort of think of when you think of like how Black people were referred to back in the day. The reason I decided to just use the N-word instead of the straight, the full word was because A, I'm not Black, so I didn't feel comfortable enough to say that. B, it's used very frequently, so I wouldn't have been saying it just once. I would have been saying it multiple times. And three, the way this article sort of uses that word, it's not outright pejorative, but because it's used in a way to sort of dismiss Black people, even if it is unconsciously, I just did not think that would have been like very good to use it. So yeah, I just want to let you guys know that's what's going on if you if there's any confusion or outrage. So yeah, let's get to the episode proper. The model minority myth is one of the biggest stereotypes used against Asian Americans. And it's basically the utter bane of my existence. Some of you listening to this episode, you probably already know what that means. But to those who don't, it's a trope that portrays Asian Americans as a group of extraordinary work ethic and innate talent, especially in STEM fields, who manage to achieve unprecedented levels of success, not just for, for themselves, but for the entire Asian American population. Now, someone might hear this and think, aren't stereotypes supposed to be a bad thing? Being a mall minority sounds like an awesome flex. While in a vacuum, the idea of a mall minority sounds like a positive thing, but in the social and historical context it was created and is currently used, not really. The term model minority was popularized in 1966 by a supposed sociologist, William Peterson, in association with Japanese Americans, who, after being locked in internment camps, magically managed to overcome oppression and achieve success. Isn't that wonderful? He wrote, Barely more than 20 years after the end of the wartime camps, this is a minority that has risen above even prejudiced criticism. By any criterion of good citizenship that we choose, the Japanese Americans are better than any other group in our society, including native-born whites. They have established this remarkable record, moreover, by their almost totally unaided effort. He goes on to show how Asian Americans, primarily Japanese Americans, overcame the racism they experienced in the past to acceptance. Peterson uses the entire New York Times article to sort of soften the consequences of historical instances of discrimination, such as the internment camps, and compare Black Americans often unfairly to them. He wrote, The minority most thoroughly embedded in American culture with the least meaningful ties to an overseas fatherland is the American N-words, as those N-word intellectuals who have visited Africa uh, have discovered their links to word I don't even want to try to soften are usually too artificial to survive a close association with this strange and fascinating continent 
but an N-word who knows no other homeland, who has no refuge when the United States rejects him. Placed at the bottom of this country's scale, he finds it difficult to salvage his ego by measuring his worth in another currency. The Japanese, on the contrary, could climb over the highest barrier our racists were able to fashion in part because of their meaningful links with an alien culture. Model minority is a trope used to diminish the severity of the discrimination Asian Americans face. At the same time, it is used to disparage other racial and ethnic groups by uplifting Asian Americans, saying essentially that they succeeded. What are you guys complaining about? Hell, it's not a mistake that the article was published in 1966 at the height of the civil rights and black power movement when black people were fighting for equality and equity within the public sphere. By making Asian Americans this model of success, other racial and ethnic groups, especially black people, are blamed for the inequality they experience. Yet no matter how much Asian Americans are uplifted, it is an imperative of the myth that they are never a threat to white people. That the problems and concerns they face, especially within the realms of economics, is nothing that cannot be overcome with a little hard work. That's where this episode about economic justice comes in. Hi, my name is Camille Montano, and welcome to Asian American Feminist in Training. In 2019, I was taking a social stratification class. Basically, it just looked at inequalities within the U.S. As one of my guests, that's a very big topic that encapsulates a lot of different stuff, which made finding a topic for my final paper, Journey into Hell Itself. After a few nights, I stumbled upon an article that formed the basis for my final paper and has stayed with me for the past two years. In mid-2018, the Pew Research Center, aka the College Term Paper Generator, published an article called Income Inequality in the U.S. is Rising Most Rapidly Among Asian Americans. As the title suggests, the report found that the gap between Asian Americans who occupy the very top and the very bottom of the economic ladder has doubled. This means that Asian Americans who are the highest earners within the group have 10.7 times the wealth of the lowest earning Asian Americans, which means that while the highest earning Asian Americans have seen their standard of living almost doubled, the lowest earning Asian Americans have seen diminished economic opportunity and are losing the ability for social upward mobility, which is basically just one's ability to move up in the social economic class, aka going from rich to poor. To put this into perspective, this means that Asian Americans are the most economically divided racial group within the U.S., as the income gap among Black, White, and Latina Americans is only 9.8 and 7.8 for both Latinos and Whites, respectively. The income map among all Americans, no matter their race, is 8.7. Economic inequality has been growing for a while now, but in terms of race and income inequality, Asian Americans have essentially run away with the first place prize. Part of why this stayed with me for so long was that even though I knew from a personal and intellectual perspective that the model minority myth was a badly written fan fiction, I still grew up in a culture where any time an Asian person appeared on TV, movies, or the news, it was showing them as doctors or scientists, or at least a person in a position where they are on track to achieve social and economic success. Asian women especially were portrayed 
made in the past as ruthless, power-hungry social climbers through stereotypes like the Dragon Lady, aka basically Eleanor Young in the Crazy Rich Asians movies, which don't come at me, I love those movies, but she's an example of that. However, as studies like the Pew Research Center article show, cultural perception can be disconnected from reality. At times, it might even obscure it. According to the National Women's Law Center, on average, women in the U.S. are only paid 82 cents for every dollar white, non-Hispanic male makes. Now, some might look at that and say, what's the big deal? It's only 18 cents. You can live without it. However, one must take into account that number over a long period of time. Stuff adds up. The National Women's Law Center puts this into perspective by showing the yearly difference a woman makes, which is $10,000 less than men on average. A critique I have for a lot of activists, including those on the left, is that they tell people something's bad and maybe even give a little fact to sort of back themselves up, but that doesn't exactly tell some random person on the street why or how something can be bad. The gender pay gap is emblematic of this. 82 cents to most people is nothing. $10,000 is suddenly a lot. Then when you take into account long-term from necessities such as childcare, housing, utilities, student loan payments, health insurance, or even just groceries, making an extra $10,000 per year can mean the difference between being middle class and then suddenly being poor. For Asian American women in general, there is an 85% pay gap between themselves and white men. However, the pay gap for Asian American women can differ between ethnic groups. For instance, Burmese women earning 52 cents to every dollar a white man makes, whereas Indonesian women make 87 cents, and for Japanese women, it's 95 cents. Yet because Asian American women are often put into a monolith that makes them all out to be millionaires, it's easy to ignore the economic struggles they go through, or how their race and ethnicity, and immigration especially, can disadvantage them. Sidebar, I think we should fight for gender pay equality across the board, not just because one ethnic group suffers worse than the other. We all got that, okay? Asian American immigrant women can face higher levels of unemployment, make lower incomes annually, and are less likely to be promoted to high-level positions within their industry, such as supervisory roles. Depending on their age and education level when they come to the U.S., the severity can vary, but they are still disadvantaged economically in comparison to not just white men, but white women. Native-born Asian women can fare better in terms of annual income, but still face high levels of unemployment and are promoted at the same rate it's that white men or white women are. Keep in mind, 59% of Asian Americans in the U.S. currently were born in a foreign country. I couldn't find an accurate percentage on how many Asian American women were born in a foreign country. Half the problem on doing any type of work on Asian Americans is lack of research on prior topics, but I can't help but think that number is fairly sizable. None of this is helped by the pandemic, where women across the board are leaving the workforce in record numbers. As of January 2021, around 8% of Asian American women are currently unemployed, which is actually a step up from May of 2020 when 16.4% of Asian American women were unemployed. Way to go, guys. We're totally a model of success. Of course, even with a job, that does not mean one is paid well. Most immigrant women participate in the labor force. However, many, due to issues such as language barriers and education, 
find themselves in low-wage work, which either don't pay well or outright see instances of wage violation, which can range from not paying someone enough to withholding pay. For example, in the nail salon industry, which is dominated by Vietnamese immigrant women, there's an issue of not just low-wage work, but instances of worker abuse and conditions that are literally a public safety hazard. Asian immigrant women are more likely to be put in low-wage work due to not having the English proficiency and education levels most well-paying, safe jobs require. Hell, that's why it's not surprising so many Asian American feminist organizations started as labor reform groups or unions, as was the case with Asian American women who worked in sweatshops, as if they weren't going to get help with their economic problems, they would have to help themselves. Now, I've gotten a lot into wages and even jobs, but the issues aren't just how much Asian American women are paid or the work they do, but their access to other avenues that could lift them out of poverty. Prior to the pandemic, around one in six Asian American women lived below the poverty line. Yet because of the 1996 Welfare Reform Act, something that Bill Clinton should really be criticized for, yet never is for some reason, it's really hard for Asian women and especially immigrants, to access social welfare programs. And fuck, considering my dream is to become a college professor, I could easily slide back into a lower socioeconomic status considering how bad the academia's career structure is. So to flatten the Asian American economic experience into an idea that we are all somehow wealthy doctors is not only inaccurate, but erases the inequality present. For Asian American women who deal with an income gap on a racialized gendered level, as they make less than white women or Asian American men, economics cannot be separated from social issues because no matter if you're the most conservative or leftist person on the planet, you have to acknowledge that those two aren't strangers, but best friends. I know I've talked about wages in this episode a lot, but closing the gender pay gap has been an important feminist fight in every group that purports to be for women's rights. Yet, it's important to understand that gender pay gap, labor violations, or even just welfare reform isn't just this binary thing between cisgendered men and women, but women of color, trans women, and so on. It's important to understand the economic inequality for Asian American women as they are too often characterized as hardworking enough to overcome the mountain that is discrimination and achieve unimaginable success that other people of color and even to some extent white people can't achieve. It makes it seem like Asian American women don't need help and erases working class or lower socioeconomic women from discussions of equality and equity, which... I don't even need to be a rocket scientist to tell you that isn't fair. Hell, I barely scratch the surface when it comes to Asian American women and economic justice because when we take into account historical and cultural aspects to it, this is a very huge topic, something I realized halfway through writing this episode. Not helped by the fact the U.S. perception of who counts as a member of the working class and economically insecure is often way too narrow, white, cis, straight, and male. And hell, we barely do enough to help those people. It's going to take a lot to fight economic injustice. And eating the rich, especially for Asian American women, can't be your only solution. It's going to take a lot to fight economic injustice. And eating the rich, especially for Asian American women, can't be your only solution.